reading in verse number 25. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And I'd like to think on verse number 34 and 35. So, as Simeon is speaking, and you know, whether Simeon has a revelation of all the way to the cross... I don't know that, but I do know this, that he does have a revelation that this child, Jesus, that has come into the world is going to be without... There is no way that Christ coming into the world cannot have an influence on you whether that be good or that be bad. So let's think about that just a little. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. So this child is set for, the word there, it means to be laid. Uh, You could say this, that it was predestined, that it was appointed by God. This was the plan of God. And Christ, I I, I believe you could see this, that Peter said that he he was a stone, a tried stone. Isaiah talks about him being a chief cornerstone. So all of the church is going to be built around this chief cornerstone. So as we read it, Mary, unto Mary his mother, behold, this child is set for. So this, this child, again, the word means to be laid, is set for the fall and rising again. So could you see this? No matter what, it's going to bring a change. Yeah. <clears throat> Even for them that fall... For them that die eternally and go to hell, it's going to bring a change. To them that are raised, 
to a newness of life, it's going to be a change. And you know, the first thought, I believe, or it's my first thought, it might not be yours, but my first thought is it's going to bring a change of fall and rise. To those that are saved, it's going to do that. But would you say this? That to those that fall eternally, it's going to bring a change. He's going to bring a change. There's no way that Jesus Christ can come into the world and the world not be influenced by that. Isn't it amazing that today is December the twenty, December the seventeenth, twenty twenty-three? Why? Why that date? Exactly. It might not be in your Bible, but most likely it's in there somewhere. Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. You know what this is? This is 2,023 years from the day, from the year that our Lord was birthed into this world. A.D. doesn't mean after death. It's the day, the birth of our Lord. So even our calendar, who's affected by the calendar? (laughs) Everybody on the face of the earth are affected by the calendar. Who made the calendar? I mean, who? why is it that we have this calendar? I tell you, it all revolves around the Lamb of God. It all revolves around... So this Simeon says, this child is set for, this child is laid... I believe you could say this child is brought into history. This this child, though, though God in the person of the Son, though the Son of God was before the foundation of the world, though the Son of God is eternal, yet the Son of God in the Son of Man, the man Jesus Christ came into being in this world. And His coming into the world made everybody life to be changed. He is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. If you'd like to turn with me, look with me in in Isaiah. And Isaiah chapter number 8, verse number 13. Sanctify the Lord of hosts Himself, and let Him be your fear and let Him be your dread. And He shall be for a sanctuary... So you know, there, there's a safe place, isn't it? As Kevin was talking this morning about the fortress, the high place, the rock, you know, he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, for a gin. what does a gin do? Separates. I tell you what he's doing. He's making a separation. This child is set for a separation. This child is set for a distinguishing. This child is brought into the world either to bring salvation 
or damnation. This child is being brought into the world that man is either going to be saved by this child. I don't mean that he's always going to be a child, but in his birth, he came a king. He came a savior. He came God in the flesh. And he came that way. He was born a king. He's not always going to be a child, but that's Simeon's view at the moment. But Simeon views more than just a child. He views a separator. He views a gin. He, he views a sanctuary, but he also views a stone of stumbling. So to some, he is a rock of offense. To some, he is a rock to fall on. To some, as our brother read this morning, he's a rock to be hid in. Thank God He's that. But know this, He is set for that. He is predetermined. He's predestined for that by the plan of Almighty God. This is going to happen. And there is no one that's going to escape this. You might say, well, it this says for many in Israel. Well, that's all Simeon was acquainted with at the time. But let me, let me read this to you. It comes comes to our mind, Paul says this in uh, the book of Acts chapter 17. Paul says these words. The time of this ignorance, the time that men worship stock and wor- worship stones and worship trees, Paul says this, in the time of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because He is appointed a day in the which He will judge the world in righteousness by that man who He hath ordained. You know that's the same thing. Marked out, predestined. By that man who He hath ordained, whereof He hath given assurance unto men, proof, witness, conviction, persuasion, unto all men, and that He raised Him from the dead. You know this child... This child is going to live 33 and a third years, 33 and a half years, going to be crucified on a cross, a friend that the just and the justice of God might be put on display. And friend, not only that, God is going to raise him from the dead. And you know what the world is going to do? The world is going to have to give an account, a friend, for what they've done with this child. There's no way around it. Our world will never, ever be the same as it was before Jesus came. Do you know this? A friend, when the the Son of God came to the earth, when the Son of God came and spent three and a third years uh, preaching the gospel around the shores of Galilee, and friend, in Bethsaida and Capernaum, and maybe down in Tyre and Sidon, a friend, do you know this? That that world and that group of people could never ever be the same as they were before then? You see, you're going to have to... You're going to have to answer. He was brought into the world. He was laid into time. Isaiah chapter 8. And He shall be for a sanctuary. Which will He be to you? Will He be a sanctuary? Will He be a safe haven? 
Will, will he be? Will he be a place you can run to? Will he be a place that you can go to escape the devil? Will he be a place that you can go to escape your sin debt? Will he be a place that you can run to? Will you be hid in the cleft of the rock out of where sin and death and hell will not be able to get a hold of you? Or will he be a rock of stumbling unto you? He's both. But you know this. That'll be you. He's laid for the fall and the rising again. He shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. You mean that He came to snare them? Oh, listen to what the Bible says. He's a sanctuary, but He's also a rock of offense. He is a sanctuary, but He's a stone of stumbling. He's a rock of offense. He's a snare. He's a gin. i tell you what He came to do. He came to separate. And you know how long we're going to be separated? I tell you that that we do with the Lord Jesus Christ is going to make an absolute eternal separation. We're going to be in Christ. That song that they sung a few minutes ago, you know where all those blessings are? They are in Christ. And either we are in Christ or we are separated. He is a rock for us to fall on. And know this, thank God I can fall on Him and rise again. If He falls on me, I shall never rise again. I can fall on Him in submission, in humility, in obedience, in realization, in humbleness of what I stand in need of, and I can rise again. But if that rock of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ falls on me, I shall never rise again. I shall eternally be falling. Maybe you don't believe that. Do you remember this Scripture? Into the bottomless pit. I shall forever be falling away from the presence, from the light, from the goodness, from the mercy, for the grace. And know this, that I will have a remembrance. I can't think of anything more haunting than remember. To remember that I, that I, here I am sitting under the Word of God and God set Jesus, laid Him into the church, laid Him into time, and here I am. And where am I? Am, is He a rock of offense to me? Is He a stone of stumbling to me? I tell you this, friend, there He is sitting in the cornerstone. He is the chief cornerstone. And friend, the church is built around the apostles and the prophets. You know what? Uh, friend, if I'm going to get in, I'm going to have to come through the Word of God. But God set Him in the world. God set him in time. God predestined this. You might not agree with that, but I, I, I'd like to read just a verse or two. And I don't, I'm not going to dwell here, but just a verse or two out of the book of Acts. 
Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 20, number 23. So Jesus Christ has been crucified and raised from the dead. And the Bible says, here is Peter saying, Him, talking about Jesus, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. So that word there, being delivered, means to be surrendered or given over to. Who gave Him over? I tell you, God gave Him over. And you can say, well, that was God the Father. I say it was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. It was all three. He gave Himself. No man takes my life from me. I give it voluntarily. He laid His life down. A friend, but you know why He did that? It was because of the predetermined counsel of Almighty God. It was predetermined in heaven by above, a friend by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost before the world ever began. He was going to set him in time. He was going to do. He's going to set him in front of you. You. Individually. He's going to set him in front of you. What will you do with this Jesus that God has set here? Listen, the Bible says, the Bible says it to us in the book of, of, of Acts, chapter number four. Let me finish verse 23. Who being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. What was he to them? I tell you what, he was a rock of offense. He was a stone of stumbling. God predetermined, God foreordained, God predestined that he was going to die. Did that excuse them from their guilt of crucifying an innocent man? Crucifying the Son of God? Did that excuse them? Absolutely not. Uh, uh, Peter goes on to say this in chapter number 4 and verse number 28. Verse number 27 and 28. For of a truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate... What's Peter doing? He's praying. Peter's praying. They said, no more. No more preaching, boys. No more, no more are you going to bring this man's blood on us by preaching that we crucified God. They did. They crucified God. They crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes on to say, Lord, thou by thy right hand, I'm sorry, for of a truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determine before to be done. So did God determine this? He certainly did. He certainly did. There's, there's, there's no way around it. I'm sorry. There's no way around it. There's no way for you and I to be saved unless Jesus Christ had been crucified and paid the sin debt. But what will we do? He is set for the fall and the rising again of many. I wonder where are we going to be? Are you going to be on the falling side? Or are you going to be on the rising side? I believe this. I, I, I believe that there are some that are going to fall eternally into the region of the damned. There's a group of people that are going to fall. I believe they're going to fall and rise again. I don't believe there's any way for a man to rise unless he falls first.
Would you entertain this thought? There's a change. Whether falling or rising again, there's a change. He is set for the fall and the rising again. So there's a change. Either way you go, there's a change. So listen to the Word of God. He is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken of against. So why? Why is it going to be spoken against? As you think about Isaiah, as we read here in Isaiah, he as sanctify the Lord, he shall be for a sanctuary, for a stone of stumbling, for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, for a gin and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Why was he spoken against? Well, would you say this? That his birth was spoken against. Even as a man 30 plus years old, you know what they said? We weren't born of fornication. What were they accusing him of? They were accusing Mary of, of being pregnant through fornication before her and Joseph. So his birth is spoken against. Then would you say this? That the people that he, uh, uh, that he uh, went around with, they were spoken against. Did he hang out with the Pharisees, with the religious crowd, with the Sadducees? What was his acquaintance that was spoken against? You know what he said about him? He's a friend of sinners. Why would this man, if he were of God, why would this man hang around with sinners? He said about the woman who broke the alabaster box and anointed his feet. If this man were of God, he would know what kind of woman this was. Everything that he does is against the natural thinking of man, is it not? You see, we're going to have to have a revelation from God or we're going to reject this Jesus. Unless God does a work in the heart of men and women, mankind is going to reject this Jesus. I mean, he was a he was a rock of offense. They crucified God. They crucified the Messiah. There's no way that that would be. God would not allow that. But you see, the thinking of man, the thinking of man. I thought as Joseph was teaching this morning, you know why he didn't go up? Why didn't he go up to Jerusalem? Why, they wanted to make him a king. They were looking for a natural kingdom. That's what they were looking for while he was here on the face of the earth. They were looking for a natural kingdom. And if he'll provide fishes and loaves, and we don't have to pay taxes to the Romans, if he'll get us out from under that, we'll make him the king. He's bound to be our deliverer. But I tell you something, friend. As we look at it on the natural, we will never see the Christ that come to this world. But He is set for the fall. So as you, as you think about this, what kind of kingdom were they looking for? A stumbling stone. Here's, a, here's some more of the stumbling stone. They were looking for a kingdom to deliver them. They were looking for the throne of David to be exalted. They were looking for the Davidic kingdom. They were looking for a natural kingdom. But you know what? A friend, unless the Holy Ghost comes by and reveals that unto you, you're looking at the wrong Jesus. What is He? 
stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, a gin, separating, How about his death? You mean a man that was crucified on the cross? Let me ask you this, friend. You know what it said in Romans? He said he was the just and the justifier. They couldn't see that though, could they? What they saw is a man who was an imposter, a man who raised the dead, a man who gave sight to the blind, a man who gave hearing to the deaf, a man who raised a man that was stinking, and friend, they could not attribute that to being God down on the earth in the flesh. And friend, when He died on the cross, that was more of a stumbling block, and they fell over it. You know, we need some spiritual insight and only God can give that. Only God can give that insight. So He's spoken against. So he, He's the just. He's the just and the justifier. Grace was spoken against. I tell you what we got to do. We got to walk it. We got to live it. We got to work it out. I'll say this there's nobody ever walked it. Nobody ever lived it. Our friend, the heaven was searched. The earth was searched. Beneath the earth was searched. Our friend, the only hope that there is for me to get in and you to get in is to fall on the grace of God. But that's spoken against, isn't it? You're talking about giving somebody something they don't deserve. That's what grace is. That's grace. So, here he is. He's a rock of offense. Listen to what he says in Isaiah chapter 55. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be the Lord for a name. Shall be to the Lord for a name and for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Do you know something? Friend, God, God took ashes and made a lime. God took uh, that that was a fir tree, a friend, and made a myrtle. God took that that was absolutely impossible and made the glory out of it. And only God can do that. The only glory, the only praise is to Him. Well, I'm going to get good enough. You're never going to be good enough. You're going to fall. You're going to fall. You're eternally and everlastingly going to fall. But God, God took a briar. Can you imagine this? He made a saw briar into a myrtle tree. He took ashes and made a live man out of it. Thank God ain't that something. I tell you, that's the work of God in the Holy Spirit. The work of God in you. That's the Jesus I'm talking about. I'm talking about one, a friend that will make a change in you. But our natural tendency is to speak against it. That's man with his natural tendency. If God, you know, I know this is rejected, but He is set for the fall and rising again of memory and for a sign so conspicuous, distinguishing, an object spoken. An object. There he is in Isaiah 55. What's he doing? Let me ask you. Who can give sight to a man born blind? Who can raise a man that stinketh? Who can open the ears of the deaf? 
Who can do that? Who can forgive sin? Oh, preacher, that wasn't really forgiving sin. He said, take up your bed and walk. Which one? Which one gives the greater proof? I'll tell you what He can do. Our friend, He can do all things, and He does all things, and the only way that man will ever come to it is for you, your eyes, to be opened by the Holy Spirit of God and to realize He's come either for your rising or for your eternal fall. Look, look with me. For the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Isn't it amazing that Jesus Christ, now in your mind, did He ever do anything wrong? Pilate said, I can find no fault in this man. Yet, see, here's the nature of man. Here's the nature of man. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners. Isn't it amazing? that sinners, not only then, but today, get up in the face of God and accuse God. That He endured such contradiction. So the word means this, to oppose, opposition, hostility, insult, unbelief, and mocking. Isn't it something that you can tell people about Jesus and they mock? Isn't it something that you can tell the world about a Christ who changed you from ashes to a living human being, to being from a dead a stone, uh, to being made a lively stone in the building of God, and people mock and people insult and people make fun and people oppose? Isn't it something that light came into the world? John chapter number 3, light has come into the world and what does man do? What is that light? I believe you said in chapter number 1 that light has come into the world uh, that every man, every man, He lighteneth every man. I tell you something, friend. Jesus came into the world that you and I are going to fall or rise. There's no way that you can be uninfluenced by the coming of the Son of God. Such contradiction of sinners. Isn't that something? That God is contradicted. God is opposed. I mean, when God tells me I'm a sinner... I need to be saved. I need to humble myself. I need to repent. I need to come to the truth of the gospel. You know what my natural reaction is? Not me. Maybe him. Maybe her. Not me. That's man's natural reaction. Without the work of God, when light came into the world, man loves darkness, does he not? Is that not the Bible? I believe that's the Scripture. I believe that's the Word of God. That light come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. 
Why? Because their deeds were evil. If I come to the light, you know what's going to have to happen? I'm going to have to admit unto God and unto my fellow man out in front of everybody that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. So you know what you do? You close your eyes to the light and whatever direction it came from, you turn and go the other way. You tell me man's going to come to God? Not unless God does a work in him. There is no way. The Bible says this. The Bible said, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. When was Jesus begotten? December the 17th, 2023. 2,023 years ago, Jesus Christ was begotten unto Mary the Virgin. Have you believed in that Jesus? I'm not talking about a Jesus that you worked up in your mind. I'm talking about a Jesus that's going to either you are going to fall or you are going to rise because of your knowledge and your acceptance or your rejection. Either he is going to be he is either going to be a sanctuary or he's going to be a rock of offense. Now to the natural man, to the natural man the Bible says this, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. John chapter 1. Light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Let me ask you, who does evil? Everyone? So does that mean that everyone hates the light? Does that mean that everyone, that everyone would go away from the light? That everyone is a rejecter of the light? That everyone does evil, and if everyone does evil, every man that hates, uh, uh, hates the light because he does evil. So you know what I need? We need to come to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but that's against me. That's not what I want. But know this. We're either going to fall on this rock or this rock is going to fall on us. If I fall on this rock in humbleness, in obedience, in, in acknowledgement of what God says about me, in agreement, in confession, in saying the same thing that God says about me, I see what I can do. I can be raised from the dead. this rock will fall on me. And it shall grind me to powder. He is set for the fall and rising again of many. So, you know, here, here's death and a resurrection, isn't it? The fall and the rising again of many. So death and a resurrection. Who's dead? By the Word of God, we were all dead. By the Word of God, there's none of us alive until Jesus comes into our heart. None of us alive until there's a quickening by the Holy Spirit. We were all dead. So there's a death and a resurrection here. 
But you know the truth is, man, until Jesus comes and comes to the earth, I want to say it a little closer, until Jesus comes to me individually, I really don't know that I'm dead, do I? I think that I'm alive. You know what I am? I'm under the leadership and under the lies of the devil. It's the truth. You can read it in Luke and read it in Matthew and maybe more, but at least those two. So the strong man, are you stronger than the devil? No, you're not. And I'm not. So the strong man has got his goods in his palace. He sits on the throne. He keeps man in the dark. Man loves the dark. Right? John chapter 3, does man love the dark? Man loves the dark. The devil loves the dark too. He loves to keep you in the dark. But if Jesus, if the Lamb of God comes by and turns the light on, I ask you this, are you coming to the light? Are you coming to the truth? Are you coming to what God has shown you about yourself? Or are you going to stay in darkness? Know this, you cannot stay the same. Preacher, I didn't know. That's a lie. You know. The Pharisees said, Are we blind? Lord, are we blind? He said, You say, you see. You know what I believe we got right here? I believe we got a group of people. Inclusive. We've got a group of people that say they understand and they know what the Bible says. Know this. If you are lost and undone and going to hell, it's not because the light hasn't been turned on, is it? Are we blind? He said, you say you see. But if your sin remaineth, what excuse do I have for my sin? What excuse do you have for your sin? You say you see. Let me just read that verse. In the ninth chapter of John, the Pharisees said, Lord, are we blind? For judgment I am come into the world that they see which see not might see. I'll tell you this. There was a place in my life before 1983 I was lost and going to hell, dead in trespasses and sin, and did not know it. That doesn't change the fact. I was going to hell, but I was unaware. <coughs> but the Lord come by. The Lord come by, and if it is for judgment I am coming to the world, that they which see not might see. And they which see might be made blind. Now let's think. So there's a group of people that do not realize their spiritual condition. And when God comes by through the person of Jesus Christ and the Gospel, we're made aware of our condition. So He's brought us out of darkness into light. But there is a group of people that say they see. There's a group of people that says we know. There's a group of people that says I know how. 
There's a group of people that says, I know how, I know the plan of God for me to get to heaven. Well, let me ask you this. Why do you still have sin? If you know, if you're aware, if you see, then why does your sin remain? Why do you still have that burden of guilt? Why do you have that weight? Why do you have that doubt? Why are you unable to enjoy the goodness of God? Why are you unable to enjoy the freedom that comes with being in Jesus Christ? Because you're in a fallen state. Yet you say we see. That's worse. That's worse. You're in a worse condition now than you were before you were lost and undone and blind and did not know better. You are worse off now because God has turned the light on and you have done nothing about it. You're in a worse condition. Why did Jesus come? For the fall and the rising again of many in Israel. Is He come? A sign which shall be spoken against. Jesus said, Lord, are we blind? Are we blind? Jesus said, if you were blind, my God, what words? If you were blind, you would have no sin. See, there would be no condemnation. But you have condemnation because you say you see God has turned the light on and you have made no change. You have made no, there's no, no move toward coming to Jesus. Well, preacher, I, I made a move years and years and years ago. What most people have moved to is the call of a preacher or a call of the Sunday school or the call of the church and you've made a move to the altar but you have never come to the Lord Jesus Christ. When you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, He will make a new creature out of you. You will not be what you were. You will not be without joy. You will not be without a song. You will not be able to walk the same way. Thank God He'll give you a new walk, a new song, and put joy down in your heart. You see, Jesus has been set... This child is set by God. This child is predestined. This child is laid. I'm either going to fall on this stone or I'm going to stumble over it. Can that really be? Can that really be? So for the self-righteous, they're going to stay self-righteous and die and go to hell. For those that are trying to get there by works, they're going to die in their sins and go to hell. For those that are trusting in their church membership and their baptism and their faithfulness to the church, physically, naturally, earthly, they're going to die in their sins and go to hell. But to those that are dead, to those that are lost, to those that need help, to those that are dead in their sin, to those that are unable to help themselves, to those that realize they're unable to work their way there, to those that are unable to satisfy God, Jesus can raise you from the dead. He's set for that. 
And he said to Mary, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also. You know, I've thought about this in a couple of ways. <coughs> she being the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ was not without sin. You might say, well, what, what was really going on was a, a, a sword was going to pierce through her heart when she seen her son rejected, her son crucified. I believe that's true. But let me ask you this. What about her salvation? Did she have to have the same piercing of the heart for salvation that everybody else did? What, what, what was Mary's fall and or rising again? Was her heart revealed as well as the Apostle Paul? You know what she did? She went down there and made an offering. If she was the sinless mother of God, there would have been no offering needed, would there? I tell you what she was. I believe through the Gospel and through the proclamation of the Gospel, how through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, there was a sword pierced her own heart. Not only in the natural. I think there was something more than the natural that pierced her heart. I believe that there was a spiritual sword pierced her heart and she had to be saved just like everybody else. People probably argue with that, but it doesn't matter to me. She's not above sin. She's not above reproach. She, she, she's, she's, not, she's, not in, she's not in the Trinity. She's not equal with the Trinity. She doesn't even have a part. She's a sinner. But just a little more. So, let's think about just a couple of things. So, I don't believe... And he's going to say this. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own heart also... That the thoughts, so, so we got a little parentheses there concerning Mary. So let's read it without the parentheses. This child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, for a sign which shall be spoken against, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. What, what, what's he doing? <laughs> I tell you what he's doing. He's going to reveal what's in us. He's going to reveal the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to reveal what's in man. So that separating, that gin. Listen to this Scripture. Ruth chapter 3. Ruth chapter 3. Probably you'll, you'll recall it when I read it. Ruth chapter 3. Ruth, you go down to the threshing floor. Ruth chapter 3, verse 2. And now is not Boaz our kindred? <laughs> Thank God for my heavenly kindred, Boaz. Thank God for my heavenly Boaz. Does he not, is he not down there with those maidens who thou wast with? You were with his maidens. Behold, he winnoweth, he winnoweth barley tonight. In the threshing floor. What's Boaz doing? 
They've gathered in the crop. They've gathered in the barley. And it's come the cool of the evening. And the threshing floor is most likely up on a hilltop somewhere. And in the cool of the evening, uh, the, the sun's gone down. It's starting to cool off and there's a breeze. What's Boaz doing? Uh, Boaz is out there winnowing the barley. What's he doing? I tell you what he's doing. He's, he's been over it. They've been over it with a roller. They've been over it and, they, and they've, they've, rolled the, they've rolled the hide off of it if you want it like that. They've rolled the husk off of it if you want it like that. They've rolled the chaff off of it. And what is Boaz doing? Boaz is doing exactly what Jesus came to do. Boaz is taking the wheat or the barley. He's throwing it up in the air. It means to toss or to separate. He's throwing it up in the air. And friend, when the wind comes through, the chaff is taken away and the real thing, the barley is left on the threshing floor. That's what God is doing in the hearts of men and women right here this morning. God is coming by with His winnowing fan in His hand with the Holy Ghost of God. You know what He's doing? He's making a separation of the chaff and the real thing, the barley. He's making a separation of between the saved and the lost. Can you see that picture? You ever get cereal? It's got rice in it. You ever get done eating cereal and you got some little skins in your teeth? What is that? That's the chaff. It's a husk. What's Boaz doing? He's down there with a windling fork. He's throwing that up in the air. And the wind is separating the chaff from the barley. When can I? Tonight. Not next week, next month, next year. Today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Uh, today is the day that God is working and winnowing and the threshing floor. Right here's the threshing floor. Here's the high place of man. Oh, you might think it's up here. I tell you, there's a higher place than your head knowledge. I'll tell you where God's working. God's working in the very center of man, in the center of his thoughts, not, not to exclude his mind, but including the mind, including the emotion, including the desire. Every part of you, God is working on that. John said this, I believe it's in the third chapter of the Matthew. John said, "Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire." So here is the Lord Jesus. John sees Jesus coming on the scene. What's, does Jesus have a winnowing fork? Now I tell you what, Jesus is not dependent on a little breeze out of the northwest. Praise God, He's got the breeze. He is the breeze. He is through and by the Holy Ghost that dwells within Him. I tell you what He's doing. He's blowing on the hearts of men and women. His fan is in His hand. I tell you what He's doing through and by the Word of God. He is separating.
If you're ever saved, you'll have to fall first before you're raised. Bear with us just another minute or two. I don't mean to keep you too long. But in Philippians chapter 3 and in Acts chapter number 9, I tell you what we see. We see a man named Saul of Tarsus headed down to Damascus. And you know what's going to happen to this man? I tell you, this man is going to be struck down. This man is going to be knocked down. This man is going to be brought down by Almighty God, by the Word of the Lord Jesus Christ. This man is going to be brought down. Let me tell you this. Before God ever pours His Spirit in you, you will be an empty vessel. God will never pour His Spirit in you while you're trusting in what you've done. You mean to tell me that God is going to take a filthy, rotten, ungodly sinner like me and not empty me out? I'm not going to be empty before He fills me? Yes, ma'am, and yes, sir, I am going to empty myself. Paul said, everything that I've done, all of my lineage, all of my, all of my works, all of my being, being a Benjamin, all of my works and the zealousness of the church, all of my seeking and serving God through the law, he said, I empty myself of all of it, that I might have a resurrection. No way for you to be raised until you're emptied first. No way for you to be raised with your good works and your church membership and your morality until you lay all of that aside. I say this. Paul thought himself to be great. He did. He thought himself to be great. But when Jesus came, when Jesus was sent before Him, this child is set for the fall and the rising again of being in Israel. When Jesus was set before Him that day, I'll tell you what He did. He emptied Himself. I'll tell you what He said. He said, all of my goodness, all of my, all of my morality, all of my lineage, all of my uh, being a Benjamite, being a Hebrew of Hebrews, being circumcised, being zealous. He said, I count it all as dumb. Let me ask you this. I got a cup, a cup. I got a glass that's got some water in it and there's dung in it. Do you think for me to drink out of that, I need to dump that and wash that before it's filled up with the real thing? So is your life. Paul said, I count all that I have done, all that is in me as done. I empty myself. God, wash me. Peter said, Lord, not my hands, but my hands and my feet also, my head as well. God, cleanse me and fill me with a real thing. Before God ever fills you, you will have to be emptied. I tell you what, my works... And my morality and all that I am is in the sight of God. Filthy, 
rags. Minstress rags. That that is expelled to cleanse. I'm going to count on that. That that is expelled to cleanse. I'm going to count on that. No ma'am and no sir, I'll tell you what I've got to do. I've got to count all that I am as done. That I may win Him. That I may know the power of His resurrection.